Monkey 2.0, there's nowhere left to go. No one can save you from yourself. That is a very short excerpt of some lyrics from a song I wrote probably almost 20 years ago. I will be getting more in depth. I will read you the entirety of those lyrics before this episode is over, but the things I was complaining about back then are still very applicable today, which is scary. So I thought that using the title of that song, Junkie 2.0, was very fitting for this episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. So the reason I decided to do this episode, the thing that spurred the idea in my head, was the issue last week where Facebook took a shit, and Facebook, and Instagram, and WhatsApp, WhatsApp? I don't know, I don't even know what WhatsApp is, but they all took a collective shit, and I'm sure a lot of people were kind of freaking out. Me personally, Facebook is the primary social media channel that I use. Mainly because Instagram is picture-based and I'm not very good with taking pictures. And Twitter, well, I have about 12 followers. So, needless to say, when I post stuff on Twitter, it's relatively irrelevant. But last week, I had just started my new schedule with the podcast of releasing on Monday and Thursday. Finally, a schedule. I typically like to wait until a little later in the day, maybe midday, early afternoon, before I do a post on Facebook. This allows the subscribers and people to go listen and kind of find it organically. That also allows me to look at the statistics and see what is the listenership prior to any kind of post. Now, I don't have a huge footprint on Facebook either, so me posting something isn't going to be a huge difference in the stats. So, of course, I'm like trying to log into the Facebook business suite, as they call it, which is for people who have fan pages like my page for my music and my podcast and all that, which, by the way, if you want to go find it and follow it on Facebook, just look up at Jeff Schaefer FB, as in Facebook, J-E-F-S-H-A-F-F-E-R-F-B, lots of F's. And everyone wonders why I only have one F in my first name. There's just too many gosh darn Fs. But I'm sure a lot of people were really stressed during that time. Instagram, Facebook, a lot of those people, that is their way to communicate with pretty much the majority of the outside world. And when those are down and down for an extended period of time, I mean, I'm not talking like a 20 minute outage. This thing was out for, I don't know, like eight hours. I don't, I I didn't research exactly the outage. I just remember that it went down a around noon Eastern time, I believe, and then came back up sometime that evening. But that is also a very sobering happenstance because it lets us know that all this shit is not a guarantee. You can have all the money in the world to have the best servers and do all of this stuff, but it doesn't mean that shit is not susceptible to shit. And that is what happened, and that's why Facebook went down for a prolonged period of time. You know, Facebook is famous for their Jeff was marked safe from Hurricane Katrina. Like they have that option now where you can mark yourself safe. I guarantee you there were people out there that were using that feature after Facebook came back online to say such and such is marked safe from the Facebook outage of 2021. First off, quit fucking marking yourself safe. No one cares. If you're in the middle of a big storm, a tropical storm, or a hurricane, or something like that, you have advance notice, you can get the fuck out of Dodge if you stay there, 
and something happens to you, yes, your family, your loved ones, your close friends, they're going to be trying to check on you and make sure that you're safe, but your general population of friends on Facebook never even crossed their mind. But again, like I said, where I, you know, I don't know, I didn't see anyone do this, but I would not be shocked that people on Facebook were saying, mark myself safe from the Facebook outage of 2021. Now, all of a sudden, it's very tongue-in-cheek where it's not even a real disaster. People are using the mark safe almost, I don't want to say it's sarcasm, it's an exaggeration because they would not willingly acknowledge and post that if some part of them inside wasn't somewhat, if not very distraught during the outage. So people, Jeff's advice moving forward, if you're not in a massive, large-scale terrorist attack where several square miles are decimated, don't mark yourself safe. No one fucking cares. It is no secret that Jeff is not a fan of social media. So Schmidt! And this episode is not just another episode of me attacking social media. It's more tech in general. To the point where a lot of the stuff I'm going to discuss... I would be greatly affected by as well. I am just as guilty of this internet-based, internet of things as they call it, IOT, but online-based mentality of everything that I need is there when I need it. But what happens if it's not? So let's do a little exercise, shall we? And I want you to envision, close your eyes, children, and envision... Almost like what you would imagine the apocalypse. You know, we've seen the movies of apocalyptic times where one second everyone's just walking around and the next second, like, poof, people just fucking disappear. Their clothes are laying in the fucking parking lot of Speedway. And they must have been raptured. Damn it, I'm still down here in my clothes instead of my clothes being on the parking lot because clearly I'm a horrible person. Jesus didn't want me. But I want you to imagine what if... The internet, in its entirety, I'm talking Google, websites, social media, what if all of that went away? What if your phones all went dark? What if your computers all went dark? What if all of this technology that we have become so reliant and dependent on in the past 20 plus years, what if it all went away? How would that affect you? Like for me, I'll use myself as an example. I am a horrible picture documentarian, as I mentioned. I don't take a lot of pictures of anything. I don't like my picture being taken, let alone selfies where I'm taking my own fucking picture. That's like me just hating and abusing myself. But I could not tell you the last time that I went to a photo mat. Yes, kids, that's what we called it back in the day, like a laundromat, but a place where you would take your film to be developed Because back in the day, back in the olden days, which, believe it or not, was less than 20 years ago, when people wanted to take pictures of something, they had to use a camera. And that camera used film. And the light was captured, and it caught the image, and it printed it onto this exposure on film. I'm probably getting all of this terminology wrong. My point being is you had film that had a limited number of pictures that you could take with that roll of film, and then you would take the film to the photo mat or whatever the fuck they would call it. They had other names for it. And you'd have to wait sometimes for a week, maybe longer to get your pictures back. And they handed you this envelope that you would break the seal on and open it up, and now I get to see my pictures. And inevitably, you know, because the pictures are of a photo print material, someone would grab a photo and want to see it. Hey, watch the fingerprints, man. You're messing up the picture. 
We don't have any of that now. Everything is digital. Everything is in the cloud. How many of your digital pictures are you actually printing? My guess would be very little, if not none. Again, referring to myself and using myself as an example, if all of that shit went away, poof, in an instant, I have zero pictures. Well, no, I have a handful because my mom was old school and took pictures and then would give me the copies. But pretty much after my kids are, you know, other than school photos or graduation photos that I paid for, other than that, moments and actually capturing moments, man, in the last basically 20 years or 15 years, I have nothing. It's all digital. All those memories, or rather photographic representations of those memories, would be gone. However, I'll use that as a great example of making sure that you understand that your actual memories are way more important than your photo or video documentation. It's what pisses me off so much about live concerts. Everyone's got their phone up in the air and I can't see the fucking stage because everybody's got their fucking hands up in the air and I have to watch the camera through the fucking phone of the douchebag in front of me because I can't see the fucking stage. That's fine. If you want to take a few pictures or some short videos to capture that moment for yourself, that's fine. Don't fucking film the whole goddamn concert. You have your memory for that. Your brain, ladies and gentlemen, is designed to store things, and you're able to access that storage at will. But instead, the douchebag in front of me, his only memory of the fucking concert is what he saw through his fucking phone, not actually watching the concert. Stop doing that, you pieces of shit. Whoever you are who do that, that film a whole fucking concert and hold your fucking phone up over your head, fuck you. I'm not going to candy coat that one. It drives me nuts, especially considering that nowadays a concert ticket basically is a mortgage payment. But again, I am guilty of a lot of this. Like I just said, pretty much all of my photographic or video memories quote unquote memories, those aren't real memories, those are capturing a moment in time to go back and revisit, but all of those would be gone for me because I have not used an actual film-based camera in probably 20 years. 20 years to a lot of people sounds like a lot of time. If you're 40 years old, that's half your life. If you're 20 years old, that's your whole fucking life. But 20 years in the scheme of things, is a drop in the bucket. It's not that much time. And 20 years ago, we might have had some phones that took pictures. I don't even remember the exact when those started to come out, but those pictures were garbage. It wasn't until 2008, 2009, whatever the year was that Apple put out the first iPhone and smartphones started to come out. The cameras started to become a major aspect and selling point for the phone. Prior to that, the whole idea of like a cellular phone or a mobile phone, it was just fantastic that you could use your phone, have your same number, and it was always with you whether you were at home or not. Because believe it or not, boys and girls, there used to be a time, a long time, where you had to be home if you wanted to fucking take a phone call. There was the brief period of time where pagers and beepers came out. I had one. And people could page you and beep you and let you know, hey, I want to talk to you. And you'd see it. And then they'd put like star 911 to let you know this is an emergency, which meant, God damn it, now I have to pull over and go into the gas station and buy a candy bar just to get a quarter in change so that I can go use their payphone. Yes, boys and girls, there were also things called payphones. These were huge petri dishes of disease and and filth 
that were erected in many places across the community where people would basically press a mouthpiece up against their face to talk to someone with a decent likelihood that the person right before you using the phone pressing that same thing up to their fucking mouth and face. Uh, Maybe they might have had a little bit, a touch of the HIV, who knows? Maybe a little herpes. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, Jeff. So if tech went bye-bye, no, I wouldn't have any fucking pictures or video documentation from pretty much the last two decades. Another thing I wouldn't be able to do, even if I found a disease-ridden payphone or had a home phone, which I don't, and I haven't had in, again, like 15 years, I've not bothered to have a home phone, I would not be able to call anyone. I don't know anyone's fucking number. It's all stored in my phone. 911, that's the only number I know. You know, back in the 90s, we were all like math wizards with all the fucking numbers we had stored in our head. Like, I remember Pizza Hut was 8951111. You would call that one number, and that was for all of the Columbus locations, and then they would determine your location and spit the order out to the Pizza Hut closest to you. I know this and remember this partly because I worked at Pizza Hut during high school and after high school. But it's a little odd that I still remember that number. But if everything died tomorrow technology-wise, I can't call my mom. I can't call my son. I can't call my daughter. My son and my daughter are literally on my phone plan. I pay for their phones. I own both of those phone numbers, and I have no fucking clue what either of them are. I couldn't even venture a guess at the first two digits of either of their numbers. But it really wouldn't matter even if I remembered people's phone numbers. I don't have a home phone, so the minute my device goes to shit, I'm fucked. I can't call anyone. And I'm pretty sure pay phones, those are becoming extinct. They're ripping those out because it's like, well, no one fucking uses them anymore because everyone's got one in their fucking pocket. Television. That's another thing I would not have if everything disappeared because I've killed cable. Just like many of you, I'm sure, we're all streaming everything. I have Apple TVs all throughout my house. I get my local broadcast through Hulu Live TV. I've got Hulu. I've got Netflix. I've got Peacock. I've got Apple TV. I've got, oh, HBO Max. I've got, I've got a lot of fucking shit. And let's take it further. iTunes. I don't own DVDs anymore. I might own like fucking four DVDs. I used to have shelves. We used to buy furniture to display our books. Well, then that went by the wayside, and then we started to buy furniture to display our VHS tapes. If you don't know what that means, just look it up. Then we would buy furniture to display our DVDs, CDs, other physical pieces of media that people really just don't own anymore because it's not cost-effective. It's not space-effective. But if everything died, if everything crashed in the online world, in the Internet of Things... I would be 100% without any entertainment on any screen in my house. And I have many screens in my house. Many screens that are very large that I spent a lot of money on. Weather and news. I wouldn't know what the fuck the temperature is going to be like tomorrow, let alone a week from now, because I use an app for that. 
And back in the day, you know, with both weather and news, people would watch the 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock news program locally. They would find out what the weather was going to be. They would find out both local and national news in a very short segment. And then they would go on and watch their primetime TV shows and entertainment for the night to turn their brains off. Nowadays, we have 24-7 access to all of that shit. I don't know what the numbers or the ratings are for local news broadcasts, but I would have to imagine they're pretty shitty because I can now follow, like, for example, 10TV is one of the main broadcasting channels in central Ohio. It is WBNS. I can follow WBNS on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they're constantly, it's not just at five or six, they're constantly pumping out news. Now, a lot of time it's teasers like, a big explosion shut down the freeway. Find out more at six o'clock. But who's really tuning in at six o'clock? They know they can find that fucking news anywhere if they dig a little further for a few minutes. So again, we've all gotten trained to get our weather, get our news, get all of that shit through fucking social media, Google, things like that. Hey, let's not forget about Google. Everyone in the world is technically a fucking genius nowadays because they have access to Google. They can find any answer they want. And I do it all the time when I, you know, I want to research things for the podcast, it takes me 10 fucking minutes to find weird facts about cats from 30,000 years ago. Do you know how much work it would have taken me to do show prep for my Cats versus Dogs episode only 25 years ago? I would never have had those facts. I would never have been able to make that podcast. And even if I'd been able to find the information I wanted, I would have fucking given up long before I ever finished and said, well, guess this episode isn't happening. Again, I'm using myself as an example here because I want to make it clear that I'm not like faulting everyone else and, oh, Jeff is above all this. He wouldn't be affected if this happened. He's trying to let you guys see the evils of the world. No, I am just as guilty in many of these regards. I'm not as guilty in regards to being totally fucking addicted and needing to see what everyone else is doing online that, honestly, I don't give a shit about anything that I'm going to find for the most part. And that is where the junkie 2.0 idea comes into play is that we live in a society where there's this addiction. It's not heroin or whatever people can be addicted to, you know, just like porn, porn addiction. Did porn addiction exist prior to the internet? I'm going to guess no. When I was a kid, Porn was the Sears catalog, and you would have to leave to the brawl section. And it's like, yeah, baby, show me those B cups. I like that lacy fringe around the edges. Mmm. Oh. Or if you were able to get your hands on actual porn, it was like a 40-page magazine. And it could be graphic, but there was no motion or movement. Yes, there were porn movies back then, but again, all that was very regulated. It was very difficult for a budding young man to come across. And even as an adult, I remember once I became an adult, like certain video stores, because we used to have boys and girls, we used to have these places that you would go rent videos from. And some of them had a room that you could go into that was, you know, 21 and over, and you could go rent a porn movie. That's, you know, probably has about the same level of disease transference as a payphone 
picking up a fucking tape that someone just returned called Snow White and the Seven Dongs. But it was, you know, a little embarrassing to go back into those rooms, and so most people didn't. Because now you knew if you wanted that, you were going to go have to not only go back into that room, people would see you go back into that room, but now you had to come out of that room, people are going to see you come out of that room. Not only that, but now you have to go to the counter and check out. All right, so uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Snow White and the Seven Dongs. Will this be all for you, Mr. Schaefer? Yes. But the reason porn addiction exists is because now it's just fucking available on the internet pretty much for free, and there's no shame. No one knows that you're doing it. As long as you know how to properly hide your internet history. (laughs) Which internet history? That became a thing. Like, we all realize, fuck, we're leaving breadcrumbs. Like, you know, anyone, if you're at work or even at home, if there was something you were doing that you didn't want people to know you were doing, all you had to do was go delete the history. Or you could just selectively delete items from the history. Needless to say, all of this created way more fucking problems and issues for us as a society. And quite honestly, allowed us to be less honest with the people that we're supposed to be honest with. In addition to perhaps being less honest with yourself. You're able to just do something you know you probably shouldn't be doing and then you just, you know, move on, wipe off the wall and forget that it even happened. But I digress. You know, one other thing, especially right now in this day and age following COVID that would fuck people over if all of that shit went away is income, work. So many people work from home. If you listened to my last episode with Mr. Chase Gilroy, a YouTuber, his main stream of income is based on his vlogging, his YouTubing. If the internet disappeared or went away or all that shit crashed, That completely changes the dynamic of his family's stability. Look at my podcast, a perfect example. This is not being broadcast. I'm not recording this. I'm not, I do have hard files on my computer. Did you say hard? But it wouldn't matter if all that shit crashed or went down or went away forever. None of you would ever get another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Now, I know losing all of your photos, your videos, not being able to call anyone, losing your income, not having any televised entertainment. All of those things seem absolutely horrifying. But just imagine not being able to listen to Jeff Becomes Jeff. But in addition to being able to release this podcast to all of you guys through this fucking magical internet society that we live in, it's also promotion. Like, I'm a musician, so there used to be a day and age where I had to go put up flyers at the venue I was going to play at in advance or put them up on telephone poles all around town or whatever just to try and get people to show up. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you just create an event and you invite people and they show up or they don't. In most instances, they don't fucking show up. Why? Because they have 40 other people creating fucking events and we all have this short attention span and people just don't fucking care about you as much as you think they do. 
I've discussed this about social media in the past on previous episodes, but most people, when they like something, when they comment on something, when they do something like that, and not all people, but most people, they're doing it with a self-serving fucking hope that the next time they post something, you're gonna like it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna comment. It's this fucking narcissistic cycle of bullshit. Another thing that people don't really think about is your bank account, your finances. Whatever cash you're carrying, well, that's actual real money. Every fucking thing else that you have, it's not real. It's digital. It's stored in someone's fucking database, in their servers, in their systems. We saw this in Fight Club where the idea was we're going to take down the major financial institutions and their servers and their storage and then everyone will be free of debt. For a lot of people, that would be awesome. However, imagine that you've busted your ass and you have $500,000 in a savings account. You have another $20,000 in a checking account and you only have $5,000 of debt because you've done so well that you've paid everything off in quote unquote cash. Now imagine the banking systems go down. That person is fucked. They are not happy that their debt was wiped out because they also just lost 500 plus thousand dollars that they had digitally in actual money. That's the reason I always carry around $40 in cash in my wallet at all times because in some fucking horrible event where I need to get gas or whatever and cards aren't working or systems are down, I'm able to get and do what I need. Of course, I know the likelihood of all of the systems and all that shit crashing and making your phones and your computers inaccessible. That's a hypothetical scenario. I'm not saying I think it's likely or necessarily even possible. No, it's fucking possible, but it's not likely. However, the outage with Facebook, which was pretty significant for a company of that size, that should give us all pause. It should make us think about how much of my life is invested in and involved around social media, digital media, streaming, the internet, websites, and how much of it is based around just physical things that you can see and touch and talk to. You know, it's like relationships nowadays. I would guarantee you that the majority of relationships in this day and age, early on, Almost all of the communication happening between two people is happening via digital mediums. If you're not living with someone and you're seeing each other a few times a week, you might be talking every day. And then when you do see each other, maybe your conversations aren't quite as involved because you're cuddling and watching TV on the couch together or something like that. But as I've mentioned, just like with social media, texting is the same when you are communicating with someone and you have the ability to say, eh, I don't like the way I worded that, or you know what, I'm just going to delete that or whatever. We don't have that ability in actual human interaction to delete what we just said. So that is a prime example as to why actual human physical interaction is not comparable to digital interaction. So before I wrap up, I do want to read you these lyrics for the song Junkie 2.0 that I wrote probably 20 years ago. Oddly enough, it's very, very applicable today. I also want to give a shout out to my late 
one of my best friends I've ever had, the best fucking bass player I've ever known, Mr. Nick Rodolfo, who passed away on July 1st of 2020 at the age of 38 from pancreatic cancer. A huge loss to this world. He was an amazing person, and let me also point out, he had nothing to do with social media. He didn't take a stance against it, as far as I know. He just liked to fucking live life and saw no value in it. He never even had a Facebook page or any page ever. But Nick, I miss you. I fucking love you. I know you can't hear me because, well, from my perspective, I don't believe in that shit, but I'm still here on this earth, and I hate that you're not fucking on it with me. But Nick was the bass player on this song, and the bass line is fucking amazing. And I'm going to read you the lyrics. So this was based on a person at that time, early 2000s, that I knew that spent way too much fucking time just sitting on a fucking chair in their underwear behind a screen for fucking 12, 15 hours a day playing games in chat rooms. Yes, boys and girls, there were things called chat rooms. Nowadays, you know, you think, ha ha, chat rooms, that's antiquated. No, not really. A chat room is no different than a group text or social media. But I just want to point out when I say chat rooms in my lyrics, I understand that's not applicable, but it still is because we utilize different things now the same way people utilize chat rooms back then. So here we go. Here are the lyrics for the song I wrote in the early 2000s, Junkie 2.0, a song I still feel is eerily applicable in this day and age. Sitting around all day in your underwear, tidy whities make the mood. Will you realize this time? Another hour, another day behind the screen. You gotta try and get out of the chair. Get out. Rise up and live a life. Rise out of the online trend. Spit out your username and die. Die online. In updated addiction, logged off of your convictions. So this was me kind of illustrating, not even putting on clothes and just because no one can see you. So what, what does it matter what you're wearing and encouraging that person to get away from the fucking screen and go actually experience life around them. And as I mentioned earlier in the, the, the last two lines I, I have before the chorus in updated addiction, that's what it is logged off of your convictions. It's basically saying all the things I stood for as a person before, when I am this avatar, when I am this person, I don't need to stand for those things. And the chorus is Junkie 2.0, there's nowhere left to go, high on bits and bytes, chat rooms, and internet sites. Junkie 2.0, there's nowhere left to go, no one can save you from yourself. And again, trying to illustrate that you are putting yourself in this situation in almost kind of your own prison. No one can save you except yourself. The second verse is piddling around all day, one hand on the mouse and the other in your pocket. That's a masturbation reference. And you'll never realize another month, another year behind the veil. You got to move, but you never will. And then the pre-chorus and the chorus are just a repeat of those lyrics. But to me, I just listened to this song for the first time in eons within the last year and was blown away at like, holy shit, I can't believe 20 years later, this song is still fucking relevant. 
And I would also like to point out and illustrate to everyone that my irritation, my complaints about social media, the internet, all of that stuff, the lack of physical and human interaction that people have, this is not something new. There was not something that spurred it. I was bitching and pissed off about this from the inception because I saw how it affected other human beings that I cared about. Perhaps the fact that I wrote these lyrics in the early stages of the internet, maybe that resonated with Nick, and maybe that's why he never latched on. I don't think so. I think he was just a fan of life, and he saw that as a bunch of fucking facade-based bullshit. That song was never released because back then we did not have digital distribution. So there you go. It's like... I'm bitching about the way that things have gotten, but at the same time, had the current circumstances existed back then, that song would have been released. So it's a double-edged sword for sure. And again, I am not innocent of a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about on this episode. I'm not trying to make you all feel like pieces of shit. Meanwhile, Jeff is a golden boy. Before I wrap up, I do want to point out that the listenership of the show has started to really take off in the last couple weeks, like to the point of more than double when I look at the numbers for the last seven days, I've more than doubled that in just like a little over one week's time. And up till this point, you know, there's no sponsors, no advertisers for the show, which would be great for me because I put a lot of effort into these episodes for you guys. Now, I do it because I love doing it and it's very therapeutic. However, I would say on average, each episode takes me six to seven hours between the recording, the production, all the things I've got to do to release it and all of that stuff. And based on the number of episodes I have put out, I've done the math. That is roughly the equivalent of me working working five weeks at a full-time job in order to put out the episodes so far. Five weeks at roughly 40 hours per week that I have made zero pennies on. And of course, like I said, in the long run, I would like to get sponsors and advertisers, and I'm, I'm getting close to the point with my listenership where I would feel comfortable approaching businesses to be sponsors and advertisers. It's not going to pay my bills, but it will help cushion my bank account, my digital money. However, I also know because I don't miss words in some of my podcasts, a lot of my subjects are very contentious, that it will be very difficult for me in this day and age to find someone who is a company that wants to represent me because if they go listen to some of the episodes, they would feel like, well, if we're going to be a sponsor or an advertiser, that means we're basically saying we agree with all the shit that he says. And I say a lot of shit that a lot of people, even if they agree with it, they're not going to want to publicly display that I agree with it so much that I spent money to be a sponsor. Additionally, I would also like to maybe keep this ad-free, sponsor-free as long as I can because I want to make sure that I always feel like I have that freedom to never question what I'm going to say, what I'm going to release based on the fact that I might lose an advertiser or a sponsor. All that to say, if any of you out there are fans of the show and you would like to contribute toward the show, I would appreciate that. I don't expect it and I'm not sitting here asking 
asking, begging for tips or contributions. But at the same time, as a musician, when I go play a three-hour gig somewhere, they pay me a decent amount of money. And in addition, those people who got into the show kind of, you know, basically for free, there's no cover charge at the door, they still come and drop money in my tip bucket because they appreciate the entertainment level. So if any of you out there really enjoy the show and you would like to keep the show ad-free, sponsor-free as long as possible and have it be nothing but me just talking, then I would encourage you to go find me on Venmo or PayPal. It is at Jeff Schaefer, J-E-F-S-H-A-F-F-E-R, at Jeff Schaefer on both Venmo or PayPal. I'm not asking you to drop $1,000 into my Venmo. Even if you just want to drop a dollar in, that's fine. And again, I am not asking anyone to contribute, tip, whatever you want to call it. However, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and I know that if I was able to get some, I guess, quote-unquote contributions from my diehard listeners, it would make me feel less inclined to go out and find sponsors and advertisers that will A, add content to the show that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, and B, just cause me a lot more work because now I've got to go find somebody who's willing to support all of the fucking shit that I've been saying. Now, here is... An incentive if you feel like you want to drop some money in my Venmo or PayPal. Every Thursday, on every Thursday's episode, I will give a shout-out to the top three contributors for the week. Now, keep in mind, my Thursday shows, usually I'm going to record those on Monday or Tuesday at the latest. So, when I give a shout-out, it's going to be basically up until the Sunday prior to that Thursday show. If you make a big contribution on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're in the top three, you'll get a shout out the following Thursday. I just want to make it clear if you feel like you gave a lot of money and you didn't get a shout out, there's a time frame that it takes me to record and then produce and release all of this stuff. Again, I'm not begging. I'm not asking. However, I do feel like I put a lot of effort into this. I do feel like I am giving you guys a quality entertainment product. We're all very used to paying subscription fees, whether it's Sirius XM for a radio show we like, Hulu, Netflix, Apple TV, Disney, all of that shit. We're all used to paying a little bit for the entertainment that we get. I'm not asking you to. And there's no threat about the fact that if I don't start saying contributions, you might as well count this podcast as good as dead. It's not what I'm saying. I'm going to keep doing the podcast, even if I get zero dollars in contributions over the next six months. However, I'm just pointing out that I'm getting to the point of contemplating looking for sponsors and advertisers, if I can get away with not having them, that's ideal to me because that's less shit I have to deal with and I don't feel like I ever have to kowtow or explain myself to someone else. And for anyone who has listened to multiple episodes of the podcast, you will know that I will never want to have to explain myself or kowtow to someone for the things that I have said. All right, enough of my podcast panhandling. I do appreciate all the listens, and like I said, the numbers are going up rapidly. So it's really good to see growth with the show, and it's good to see that with some of the contentious episodes that I have put out recently, that it has not stopped the flow of people coming in and listening to the podcast. So thank you so much to everyone who listens to the podcast. Remember, we are now on a Monday and Thursday schedule, so you can look forward to every Monday and Thursday having a brand 
brand new episode waiting for you in the morning. Yay! Please be sure to take some time away from the internet or social media. I have asked all of you to do this in the past, but I think this episode is another prime opportunity to point out, you know what? Go experience and enjoy life. That's what really fucking matters. Until next time, I'm Jeff. All right, so uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Snow White and the Seven Dongs. Will this be all for you, Mr. Schaefer? And I'm Jeff. Wipe off the wall and forget that it even happened. Good night. (laughs) 